And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia on the radio and our podcast. I'm Anthony Gizmondi. Today, we bring you a snapshot of the hundreds of conversations we had in 2021, plus a look ahead at Chinese New Year. Sustainability, like never before, is part of everyday life at home, around the globe, and among British Columbia wineries. Today, we will discuss the basics of organic grape growing, and beyond organics, we'll look at the magical subset of biodynamic wines. Coming up, guests from California, Sonoma County, Rodney Strong Vineyards, and Kendall Jackson Wines. Then we'll catch up on our plans for Chinese New Year's, plus a conversation with the new chief winemaker at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards, located on South Oliver's Golden Mile Bench. Next, we head to Sonoma County with guest Greg Morthel, winemaker at Davis Bynum, and Chris O'Gorman, Director of Communications at Rodney Strong Wine Estates. I'm Anthony Gizmondi, and we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Claude de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Claude de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. It's a season for big, bold red wines at Gold Hill Winery in Oliver. We've built our reputation on age-worthy Bordeaux-style reds. Join our wine club today and receive a $25 gift along with other fantastic benefits. For more information, go to goldhillwinery.com. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe and inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. Their experts in the field and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. This winter, stay cozy and warm with award-winning wines from Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. Visit their tasting room any day of the week from 11 to 4. Elevate your experience with their black glass blind tasting or book a private varietal specific stemware tasting. Become a VIP and join their crush club. Your membership includes regular wine shipments, a 15% discount, early access to new releases, and free premium experiences. From the beginner to the experienced wine connoisseur, Tinhorn Creek has your amazing experience waiting. Visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. 
Hello, BCM. Anthony Gizmoni with Casey Wilson. Just 30 miles north of San Francisco, Sonoma County provides a diverse terroir that's home to more than 425 wineries. And long before the vineyards covered the land, Sonoma County was an inland sea. Tectonic upheavals of the coastal plates created the present-day Mayacamas Mountains that formed the county's eastern boundary and created a soil structure in these areas defined by ash and lava, all perfect for growing vines. Meandering through a lush valley of vineyards, the rolling Russian River provides a conduit for pulling fog through Hillsburg into the Alexander Valley to cool those vines. With our focus today on sustainability, here's our conversation with two stewards of Sonoma County Winemaking, Chris O'Gorman, Director of Communications at Rodney Strong, and winemaker Greg Morthel. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Yeah, we're doing pretty well. well. I mean, we're getting through COVID, and we hope you guys are okay with all that. We kind of feel like the, the end of the, uh, the end of the tunnel's in sight, and then uh, there's been some fires of late, and so that has definitely been uh, something that's affected our both our community as well as, as the wine business here. Is it, Chris? Is it? Is it been? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's been tough, but could you have imagined this the the kind of things that you're facing now and how they affect the wine business versus say what's been going on for the last twenty years before all this? No, no, really hard to predict any of this, especially that we had fires in 2017. We had some smoke issues and then another big, big fire later after that last year. So it's been it's been pretty crazy, but uh, it's definitely caused our whole community here to kind of band together uh, with um, businesses and people helping each other out. And it's really been a sight to see to see everyone really kind of pulling for each other. I, I imagine, too, that it's 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 pulled the wine community community a bit closer to the to the regular community if i can say that or the rest of the businesses yeah it really has it really has it's uh, you know we're all just kind of one big larger community here napa and sonoma and uh, there's an old saying that's uh, a rising tide raises all ships so we're all trying to kind of help each other out and share and and then we've, we've all kind of pulled through it there's going to be a little less wine in 2020 but the wine that we made is is of excellent quality and we're hoping people uh, buy a bottle of uh, Sonoma County wine and, and uh, support the community here. And Greg, I will never forget the evening we spent together. We had such a great party uh, cooking, cooking, and I don't remember if we won, but we should have when we <laughs> went up against <laughs> Tony and everybody else. But Davis Bynum, <laughs> such fabulous wines, and you're the winemaker at Davis Bynum. Tell us, you know, how you've made it through the last year or so. Oh, yeah, it, it's like Chris says, you know, you just kind of, you hold up a little bit and you figure out the new normal. And uh, so that's what we've done. And uh, as far as, yeah, and, and uh, by the way, yeah, I, I thought we did fantastic in that cooking uh, <laughs> that cooking lesson too. I thought we killed it. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all, we'll have another day, another chance. We that will, and I'm I sure. can't wait yeah. for that. <laughs> Well, Davis Bynum was uh, is a uh, well known for its uh, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and since we last talked to you, you've sort of been given this uh, new title of Burgundy Varietals as well. Uh, so tell us how you're doing that. So at Rodney Strong, are, are you looking at the Pinot Noir and the Chardonnay in particular? Correct. Yes, I'm uh, the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay winemaker at Rodney Strong. And then all the Davis Bynum wines, which is focused on Pinot Noir, but also a little bit of Chardonnay and a little mm-hmm. five-acre gem of Sauvignon Blanc as well. So uh, we kind of, we made that switch uh, about two vintages ago. And so whereas yeah. I've been making the Davis Bynum wines for the last 10 years, uh, yeah, we're moving forward making the Rodney Pinots and Chards. So we just focus on the varietals now. Uh, my boss, Justin, makes the, the Bordeaux varietals. 
I think Chris and I drink a lot of Chalk Hill Chardonnay. What what sort of tweaks are you making or would you want to make? I, I know you can't change a wine overnight, but what, when you go back to Rodney Strong, having come from from a real Pinot and Chardonnay environment, what, what are you looking at and what, what are you working on? Yeah, it's kind of a, a, really a, a, the little tweaks that I've um, put in place really uh, don't come overnight, as you say. They come through a lot of experience. And uh, all the time that I've been making Chardonnay, I've been in the winery 15 years now, and it just gives you a lot of breadth of, of working with the same vineyards and making the same wines. And you, you over time, you come to conclusions and about what you'd like to see in those wines. And so one of the things that I enjoy in Chardonnay is freshness. And so one of the little tweaks that I've done is actually started to pick a little earlier and a little earlier. So we're picking uh, down around, you know, Sugar is measured in bricks, and we're we're picking right around 22 and a half bricks, leaving it nice and light and fresh. But then, uh, in the case of the Chalk Hill, putting a fair amount of oak into it, which is going to fatten it up a bit. And so those two things kind of play off each other and add a lot of tension into the wine, which I think is something that really harkens back to what Rod was making a long time ago when he started making the Chalk Hill back in 1977. He, Rod has such a footprint on that winery. He's been gone for some time now, Chris, but he's left a strong legacy. How 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 do you see him sort of in the stature of Sonoma wine people? Sure, yeah. Well, you can't tell the story about Sonoma or even California winemaking without uh, talking about Rodney Strong. He really was kind of the Robert Mondavi of Sonoma County, as, as, as Mondavi was for Napa Valley. And uh, we were recently looking into uh, some of his past uh, – accomplishments and we um, found out he was really a pioneer of many many things he helped draw the boundaries of the russian river and chalk hill appellations and his fascination with chalk hill goes back to when he was producing dancing shows in paris as a very young man working harvests down in burgundy and he fell in love with the wines of merceau and he really felt like the chalk hill the soils of chalk hill here in Sonoma county were very very close to the wines of merceau and he thought he could make a sort of white burgundy style wine from Sonoma County. And this was 30 years before sort of the Chardonnay revolution of the 80s and 90s. So he really was ahead of his time. Let's talk about sustainability because I know that you've been way up there. You started it, I would say, in Sonoma County. Tell us about that. Yeah, you bet. Well, when our current uh, proprietor, Tom Klein, purchased uh, the winery uh, back in 1989, very in the very early 90s, he put this as sort of part of our um, a company credo about that we were going to be a sustainable community focused um, winery and um, he really put his money uh, behind his mouth and he became the first carbon neutral winery in Sonoma County we installed the largest solar array of any winery in the world back in 2003 and we just retrofitted that and that's now um, producing over 50 percent of all of our electrical needs um, we're really big into water conservation and the health of the soil. And all of our uh, 11 estate vineyards have been certified sustainable level two, which is the highest level of certification one can achieve right now. So it's very much mm-hmm. a part of our DNA. Chris, what uh, you know, there's always so many questions about sustainability, and there's always the, the doubters and the people who question it up and down. But I feel like once you go down that road, you never go back and you only improve over time. Is it a hard sell? Or, I mean, California is really pushing it now, but they're, they're pushing certification as well. How, how do you see that rolling out, say, over the next decade? 
Well, part of sustainability is a mission of continuous improvement. So it's written right into the bylaws. And so uh, we feel like we're going to get everybody on board. Um, Sonoma County recently hit a milestone of 99% of all of our vineyards here in Sonoma County have been certified sustainable. So we really see this continuing on in the future. And we're seeing consumers really buying wines that are sustainable and have uh, an eye towards uh, green farming. Yeah. And it's not just water or soil. It's actually people, too. There's a lot going on, you know, to, to help people in the business, you know, under the sustainable banner. Yeah, that's absolutely right. It's all about uh, bringing the community together, and that involves things like uh, philanthropy. It involves um, farm worker housing um, and many other issues here that we're really kind of trying to look at this holistically. So it's definitely not just a, a vineyards or a soil or a water issue. I understand, Chris, yeah. that you've been calling your Sonoma County Cabernet Cabernet therapy, and I just love that during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> last year was a tough year for everybody all around, and uh, we make more Cabernet than anything else here at Rodney Strong, so we started calling it Cabernet therapy uh, with our club and uh, our biggest fans, and it kind of really kind of took off, and so... You know, on a, on, after a tough day, there's nothing better than a little bit of Cabernet therapy in a large glass. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. So fun to catch up with you. We wish you uh, stay strong, and uh, we hope to get down there as soon as we can. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it'll be Thank great to guys. see you in person. Yeah. Thank you so much. Greg Morthel, he's the winemaker of Burgundy Varietals at Rodney Strong. Uh, Chris O'Gorman is Director of Communications, both of these gentlemen working under trying conditions for uh, several years now and doing a great job. Did you find yourself missing a portion of our show on your local radio station this week? Not a problem, as our podcast not only has the full weekly show, but also all our past shows. Find BC Food & Wine Radio on your favorite podcast app and listen on your time, preferably with a glass of wine. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you or visit smokingloon.com. It doesn't have to be alcohol to be rock and roll. It just has to be naughty. Bring the party with Naughty from Thompson and Scott. Beautifully crafted, organic, vegan, alcohol-free sparkling wines that have taken the drinks industry by storm. Beautiful bubbles, no alcohol, no compromise. So go ahead, get naughty. You've got nothing to lose but your preconceptions of what alcohol-free can be. Visit softcrush.ca for more details. Red Rooster Winery invites you to visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Enjoy the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountains from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their new release of Pinot 3, a co-fermented blend of Pinot Noir, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Gris to sip while you take in the views. Tastings are offered seven days a week from noon to five this winter. Come for the views and stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. 
committed to handcrafting wines of distinction in Cowichan Valley, Unsworth Vineyards and Restaurant is a celebration of all things Vancouver Island. From a seasonally inspired menu showcasing fresh, local, sustainable ingredients to exceptional service and award-winning wines, Unsworth Vineyards gives bold new meaning to farm-to-table cuisine. Enjoy a delectable menu in a gorgeous restaurant where casual meets elegant. Sip and savor refreshingly delicious wines overlooking panoramic vineyard views. Reserve today at unsworthvineyards.com. Discover the good life right in your own backyard. Destination, the Watermark Beach Resort in beautiful Asuyus. Featuring spectacular views of Asuyus Lake, walking distance to shops, plus dining at the Watermark's very own 15 Park Bistro. And make sure to book your spring and summer travel now to avoid disappointment at the South Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia from Summerland to Fort Nelson and all the cities in between here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And our next guest is Randy Ullum. He is the wine master at Kendall Jackson. I can't think of a bitter, uh, a bigger job and perhaps a better job than working at Kendall Jackson. Uh, Randy, great to have you back on the show. How are you doing? Are you all rested up from harvest? I'm I'm getting really rested from harvest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in a beautiful spot right now. You, you couldn't ask for a nicer place on the planet, and the harvest was wonderful. It was, um, uh, as I've mentioned, it's a little. It, well, it was a great harvest, uh, event-free. The yeah, that's no nice. rains of any you know significance, no spire, no smoke, and just if you ask anybody in the you know any winemaker, uh, they're all going to be ecstatic about this this season yeah it used to be no rain was what you wanted but no rain and no wildfires that is now the the new uh the new world i guess it's great not to have that yeah do you remember how to have a normal harvest or does it all kick in oh yeah no this is all second nature if you've been around for a while it's just ah, another harvest easy peasy regardless (laughs) of what happened yeah you know what it sounds like you're in hawaii I am. I am. <laughs> so it's been uh, uh, it's been one week since our since our our uh, uh, since our um, our last pick uh, yeah. Wednesday literally and and we stopped at at about uh, eight in the morning uh, last Wednesday in in uh, Monterey with our last Chardonnay the last of our grapes there and then it's about three o'clock in the afternoon in Santa Barbara with the last Chardonnay there so it's nice. all kind of you know, in the in the house, we're still moving a few gallons of juice around to get it into the appropriate barrels at the appropriate place. And I figure by the end of uh, this week, all of that will be where it needs to be and just continue fermenting to its happy state of wonderful wine. And how well, do you I, celebrate, I... Randy? And do you have any superstitions when you're doing harvest? No, I'm not superstitious. Uh, <laughs> and you celebrate each day with a glass of wine. Start your day with Chardonnay. Well, I think mm. I thought maybe you put on some special boots. Uh, I, I wear the same boots all year. Uh, <laughs> they're maybe a little dirtier during, <laughs> during and after harvest than they are the rest of the year because uh, they get a lot of mileage. Yeah. 
out because we have so many vineyards to look at and and and, and taste through. Um, but no dances, well, I, no, you know, nothing like that. Yeah, I've been listening intently, and I'm I, I love to hear that you finish the harvest picking Chardonnay when most people would think you're probably picking Cabernet Sauvignon at the end. Uh, but that's not the case when you have so many so many great coastal cool vineyards. I I would suspect that's so true because the north coast north of the Golden Gate Bridge is we have you know every variety up there and and we usually do end with uh, Cabernets. That, that, that's a fact and that's how we ended up there. Um, but then but then due to the fact that Monterey and Santa Barbara are so cool and Santa Barbara has such a long uh, growing season. We usually end with, with that in the South coast. Sometimes we'll end actually with the Pinot up in the Anderson Valley, up in Mendocino County. But that whole region was, you know, 10 days to, to a week early and Mm -hmm. for the whole harvest, everything. And the, and the, the, Part, you know, the growing season in Monterey and Santa Barbara was a week to 10 days later. So that that you add that together and you're, you know, that's 20 days of differential. And if you know, everything had come, you know, start, gone the way it would have, it would have been a race to see which which finished last, the Chardonnay down south yeah. or the Pinot in the Anderson Valley. So it's just a fluke of Mother right. Nature in the growing season this year. Uh, but and, yep. and then the cab. Uh, we can't ever forget that. Usually in the Napa, you know, Vitor Peak Cab, stuff like that, you know, is also tied tied for, you know, being the end of the North Coast pick. Um, but everything, well, Randy, kind of, uh, the, Mother Nature switched it around. Yeah, the the good news for us, Randy, is that the border is open now, and so Canadians are flooding across the border back into the U.S. Uh, and so, uh, can you give us a quick update on visiting Kendall Jackson? What what's happened like with, since the pandemic? We haven't been down there for two years, so any changes? And, and nor and nor have I been allowed into your country. But now that the gates are open, I think they'll <laughs> let me in, and I can't wait to come visit everybody. But what's going on here? So, you know, during the pandemic, the Kendall Jackson Wine Estates and Gardens has been open and closed, and open and closed, all depending on the rules. But where we've settled out now in pretty much every winery tasting room in the area uh, we are open you have to uh, make an appointment uh, to, to come yeah. and you know you have to maintain we have the tables you know fairly distance distance apart and you have to wear your mask when you're greeted and and when you're mm-hmm. walking around but sitting at the table while you're tasting the wines or or, or tasting the food or, or both together you're mask free maskless and that's and, partake okay. restaurant the Partake restaurant that we used to have up in in Healdsburg, we've closed that a couple of years ago, and now every, we're doing our little food and wine pairing at the wine center is almost like a real lunch uh, or dinner, even though it's not at night. But it's not just a little morsel of food, you know, one spoonful of food with each with each glass. It's it's like lunch. I mean, it's it's a it's an amazing tasting feat and extravaganza. And so it, it is it, it takes um, partake to a whole new level. And then of course with Tucker, our 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 master gardener and Justin, our master chef, and our wines, uh, it's a synergistic yeah, it's a great. ecstasy is what it is. 
Our guest is Randy Ellum. He's the wine master at Kendall Jackson. Randy, I know you have some other responsibilities besides California, and you got. Uh, do you have something new coming out of Chile that's that's low cal? Is it low cal or low alcohol or what? What is it? Oh, okay. No, well, we have. Yeah, in one sentence, there's two different things going on. We at Kendall Jackson, uh, we released and are make it's a trial basis last year, and we're going uh, full bore this season with a low calorie Chardonnay. So it's basically our Vintners oh. Reserve Chardonnay with a, with with um, just a hair less uh, new oak in it, and and it has mm-hmm. one third less calories i think it's usually 100 and change of the calories in a, a regular glass of wine this is 80 to 85 right so it's lower calorie yeah. lower alcohol which runs around nine to nine and a half versus 13 and a half to 14 so you as you're drinking wow. this you're going to potentially lose weight i think um so it should be a, a great a great hit and so that's new and that's actually you know doing quite well um so we did it in a test market last year in a few Arab states and it's all systems go uh, for that. It, it was originally under the Avant label. This year, it's going to come out as a yep. true under the true Kendall Jackson label as we bottle it up here in okay. the next uh, in spring. But what's also going on? I I oversee the project down in Chile, and yeah. we are now dialed in and focused on just Chardonnay and Pinot Noir along the coast of the south coast of of Chile which is kind of like being in the north coast of California. And we have bottled up, it'll be released, I believe, in March, you know, limited production, high-end uh, Pinot and Chardonnay from our very own vineyards there. In fact, you were at the vineyard. Do you remember the big yeah. rock we sat on? <laughs> well, the yes, rock is still do. there. Was the it vineyard. San Francisco? Is, is it San Francisco No, that was called Cusco or... then. It was called Oh, Cusco. yeah, okay. And yeah. we changed the name Who's to Mari Serra, which means Mars uh, ocean and Serra is hill. So because yep. of the hills and the close proximity to the ocean, it's now called Mari Serra. And the name of the, okay. uh, the brand is Dakel, D-A-K-E-L. It's in Rackel Welch, but Dakel. supposed to be a joke. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, a good one. <laughs> uh, the cow uh, in, the, in, the, in the native uh, Chilean uh, folks uh, language um, is to woo means to woo so we were wooed from that region wooed don hartford and andre sanchez and myself have been wooed to this spot to make this wine and i think everyone's going to absolutely love it wow. well randy so i was great. wooed when i met you in japan do you remember that oh i totally what a surprise that was and, and to Tokyo, waking up, you know, early in the morning, going down to have or up to have uh, breakfast, and lo and behold, who's there? But you, Casey, I couldn't believe it. I All the way either. on the other side of the world. <laughs> Good thing I was drinking Kendall Jackson for breakfast. Oh, I know it. Well, you know what we say: start your day with Chardonnay and KJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Randy, uh, so, so great to treat. catch up with you. We. we we can't wait to see you back up in Canada and, of course, to get down to California. Uh, and I, I don't want to interrupt your holiday any further. A uh, few days in Kauai sounds absolutely magnificent to me, and uh, I hope you enjoy them. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's always such an honor and a pleasure to chat with you both, and I wish you the absolute best. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the city and relax in the beautiful South Okanagan. Get outside and enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region. You'll find over 180 of BC's finest wineries. From the Naramata Bench to Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitsouthokanagan.com. Winter blues? Change them to red, white, and more at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher in West Kelowna. Stop in for free tastings in the wine shop, enjoy happy hour at the Modest Butcher, and dig into the new Modest Brunch every Sunday. Plus, watch for the launch of the Modest Tribute Dinner Series, one night to experience delicious flavors from around the world. For more details, visit ModestButcher.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you or visit SmokingLoon.com. This winter, join us at Black Hills Estate Winery for an intimate and informative seated wine experience with our team of wine educators. Sample our renowned portfolio of wines, including the rare and wine club exclusive Carmenere, and learn about the terroir that makes the Black Sage Bench region so unique. Our current releases are available online for gifting and stocking up your cellar. Find out more about our available wines, wine club benefits, or book one of our seated wine experiences at blackhillswinery.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia, from Vancouver to Kelowna Wine Country and all the cities in between. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Time is flying by, and before you know it, we'll be celebrating Chinese New Year in February. Joining us now for a look ahead to the 2022 Chinese New Year is Lee Mann, longtime food lover and founding member and judge of the Vancouver Chinese Restaurant Awards. Lee, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, no, it's fun. It's taxing on the stomach, but it's good. Yeah. It's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, I shouldn't say, oh, it's terrible. It's great. <laughs> no, no, I, I I think it'd be fun, but it's like anything like tasting wine. It's a grind. Uh, you got to stay focused and uh, to get the results. But seems good. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. But let's start with uh, Chinese New Year because it will be upon us uh, before we know it. Uh, and this year it's the year of the tiger. Is that is that a good thing? Oh yeah, no, it's a it's a good year. Maybe it's a, a year that we all kind of need in a way. It's a it's a, a year of of kind of power and control in a way, right? It's, it's the year where we chase out all the bad stuff. You know, it's, may, it's, uh, 
Yeah, where we maybe could crush the pandemic in 2022. <laughs> like, yeah, no, get, get vaccinated, right. folks. Let's let's start with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's um it's it's a good year. It's a good year to kind of clean take take stock, but it, it it's about you know kind of walking into things with with power. I'm, lots of people are going to have babies. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Yeah, All so right. To have to, have and it's. Chinese New Year's February 1st to January 21st. Yeah. 2023. That's that's a full year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, let's start with the pandemic. Sort of what what can you tell us? How did the Chinese restaurants, uh, how have they done? Have they struggled like everybody else? Has it been different, the same? What what can you tell us? I mean, I think it's been really difficult. And in a lot of ways, right at the start of everything, because Chinese diners had seen what had happened in Asia, um, it spilled over into Vancouver pretty quickly. I think I think Chinese restaurants were hit the first mm-hmm. uh, because uh, Chinese diners knew what was coming, right? And so they scaled back going out. They understood that there were going to be likely restrictions. Um, they weren't, you know, with the comfort level of, of understanding what that pandemic mean, meant. It also meant that the um, Chinese restaurants were probably the quickest in terms of adopting things that, that were happening in, in Taiwan and in Hong Kong and China, kind of uh, plexiglass barriers um, happen very quickly in Chinese restaurants. There's still Chinese restaurants now that take your temperature. There's, there's things that you, you scan and take your temperature. Um, right. they, they did a lot of that, that stuff early on, but it's still really hard, very hard. Yes. I just was thrilled when I moved here in the 70s. It was just amazing to go to Chinese New Year, to go to restaurants, because coming from Winnipeg, there, you know, weren't that many, but we, you know, we always ordered in Chinese food, didn't Mm -hmm. very often go out to a Chinese restaurant. And I understand that Vancouver wasn't always welcoming um, to Chinese. Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, I'll I'll say that when I, my friend, my, you know, I'm dating myself, but, you know, let's not pretend anymore that... (laughs) <laughs> I'm not. I'm not uh, well into middle age, but um, when I my first my parents got here in 1968, and um, I grew up in a Chinatown in the 70s as a young boy. It was a city of old Chinese men because of the Chinese Exclusion Act. A lot of the old men that had come over to help build the railway couldn't bring their families over, and they would come up to me and pat me on the head and give me white rabbit candy, and Aww. they were so excited to see a, a little Chinese kid. Right, especially the little Chinese boy in, in cultural terms, and um, so Chinatown was very, very different from what it is now. You know, went through a period of, of vibrancy, but there have been kind of back and forth, and, and um, a lot of Chinese people left Vancouver when Vancouver maybe wasn't as hospitable, and they opened up dry goods stores and restaurants and in other parts of, of BC. A, BC. A lot of yeah, the, yeah a lot of the, the kind of established. Chinatown families, you know, a lot of them went off to small towns and came back. And in fact, when I was a little kid, still, um, uh, it was there was an idea. My, my friends, uh, my parents' friends, who uh, are Louis, the a branch of the Louis family, their son was getting married, and they were contemplating, well, maybe you should go to a small town, open up a little restaurant, get some seed money, and then come back. And so, this back and forth between um, small town BC and Chinese people is really deep and it's very historical and um i know that growing up and traveling with my family going into small towns there would always be a chinese restaurant there and um you always felt 
you know, part of that community and welcomed. Um, there was no fear in, in going visiting any parts of BC because of that. Yeah. Our guest is yeah. Lee Mann. He's a founding judge of Vancouver's Chinese Restaurant Awards. What can you tell us about the awards, Lee? How, how have they, have you managed to make it through the pandemic? Have you had to change the way you do them or? Yeah, no, I mean, um, last year, for the 13th year, um, just this past year, we, we did go out and were able to do a lot of eating. Um, but we gave out Game Changer Awards for people who had opened up during the pandemic and were still able to, to really make a go of things. But this mm-hmm. year, we had our we had a presentation at the Vancouver Club. It was much smaller. In a lot of ways, it was very nice. It was very um, familial. You know, like people really wanted to get together in a small, intimate way. And we gave out uh, two years' worth of awards. So okay. uh, we gave out 13 awards this year. Um, and, you know, it was our 13th year. And so 13 is an auspicious year for us. So it was it was great. And, and the... the the depth of skill out there, there was a lot of young people who won awards this year. A lot of new restaurants, a lot of young people, a lot of different kinds of cuisines, not just the, the traditional Cantonese cuisines, but you could see um, a couple of Sichuan restaurants that are beginning to really use local ingredients, local seafood, for example. Right. And so you, you taste kind of local freshness. And, you know, that idea of terroir, I mean, there is a sense of place to Chinese cooking um, in Vancouver. Um, people come in, tourists come in, and they want to have Vancouver Chinese food. And usually yeah. that means, you know, local ingredients like fish, seafood. Our, our seafood is absolutely fantastic. Sure. Um, but um, the poultry that is raised to our standards um, or, you know, to the Cantonese or Chinese palate and the vegetables that are grown throughout the Fraser Valley um, put through a, a Chinese lens. Um the Peking Duck restaurants that are really popular in Vancouver now, Kwanja De being kind of my favorite right now on, on 12th and Canby, they buy all of their ducks from uh, Fraser Valley. Um, they buy them by the thousands and they're raised to their standards. And so that interplay between, you know, everyone thinks, well, you know, Vancouver and Richmond and somehow there's this wall dividing Chinese food and then the rest of BC. We um, Chinese diners buy from throughout BC and they've made lives in other parts of BC. So, there's a real deep interconnectedness. Mm. And mm. what are the go-to dishes for Chinese New Year? So I would say, you know, it's always lucky to have a whole poultry item. So a whole chicken or a whole duck because it represents good beginnings, good endings, and togetherness. The, the, the idea of wholeness and togetherness is really important during Chinese New Year. You're surrounded by your family and your friends. And most of that stuff, most of the poultry, that stuff, well, the, most of the poultry is going to come um, from the Fraser Valley. And I would say seafood, um, something that feels a little bit extravagant. So, again, the idea of having a whole fish, so whole rock cod, which is rare because it's it's um, it's a fairly protected now, or whole yep. ling cod, or um, ling cod is a very popular dish in Chinese restaurants now, um, red snapper, um, and you serve it whole. Um, and that's very meaningful. Or you get Dungeness crab. Dungeness crab is very meaningful. Um, in fact, the the Chinese word for Dungeness crab is Vancouver crab. They call it Vancouver crab. Is, is how they designate West Coast West Coast crab. I love or that. you get lobster. You get lobster from the East Coast. So, yeah. yeah. And Lee, how? But when you think about going out for dinner, how do the prices? compare from Chinese restaurant to more traditional restaurants in Vancouver? You know, it's, it's really funny. Um, I think Vancouver restaurants really can represent a gamut 
of pricing. So there is, I mean, I think some of the most expensive restaurants in the city right now are Chinese restaurants, and they really deliver something very luxurious, something very elevated. Like Quanjida is just incredible. The pricing follows, but the knife work and the dishes that they do are things that I have not seen in Vancouver in a really long time. Um, but the the kind of day-to-day uh, Chinese restaurants um, can be really well-priced. I mean, there's Kirin, there's Sun Sewa that uh, deliver the the experience and the cooking of a of a whole full formal Chinese kitchen. Um, and then you have places like um, Dynasty on West Broadway. And right now, kind of running through um, a big, you know, a, a real family favorite right now is uh, Chef's Choice, which is on West Broadway in Oak. And they're uh, doing Cantonese dishes that are really from my mom's childhood, really rustic, um, really exacting, restrained, traditional flavors um, that my mom hasn't seen since she was a little kid. So it's interesting. And I hear yeah, that the, the, there's a restaurant, op- the restaurant's opening up in the Trump Tower. Yeah, I think the Mott 32 is reopening. That's fantastic um, news. That is, and you know what, I mean, it's it's not going to be the Trump Tower anymore. And i got to say... Which is even better news. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That gave a lot of people pause. And it was heartbreaking because that restaurant yeah. had nothing to do with Trump. No, and, no, um, and people were pouring in their life's dreams and, and ambition and wanting to execute. And it made things hard. And uh, I think people can go to that restaurant with a real unfettered <laughs> embrace of it. And their execution is fantastic. It is really stellar. Lee, uh, always great to catch up with you. We are mm-hmm. out of time. But I do live on the North Shore. Can you give me one place to go on the North Shore that's really uh, got you uh, interested now? So there's a there's a I will give you kind of kind of three quick places. Okay, I've always great. Loved, I've always loved Westview. It is kind of like the kind of family restaurant that you would find yeah. in like Kowloon, Hong Kong. You go there, they do great delivery, but it's really super approachable. I love Red Beef Taiwanese. Um, I think they do an excellent job of Taiwanese beef noodles. And during the new year, uh, noodles longevity. It's a good dish to have. And there's a, a small um, really really Chinese restaurant um, called Lao Cai, which means um, old dish or old vegetable, meaning like it's a, it's an old-fashioned yep. place or an old hangout. And they yep. have really um, excellent kind of um, and real interpretations of, of, um, of northern Chinese food that, that is really getting popular everywhere. Where's that? Uh, that is in West Van. I want to say it's around... Uh, it's near Marine Drive, so okay. uh, yeah, 1425 Marine yeah. Drive. But it is a oh, it, I know the place, this, sure. Yeah, yeah, it's an it's a huh. fun kind of Xi'an style street food kind of place, and it's great. Gonna check it out. Thank you so much, yeah. Mr. Man. Great to catch up with you. Have a great holiday. You too. Thank you. The Year of the Tiger. That it sound that appeals to me after all these uh, pandemic uh, woes that we've had for a couple of years. That was Lee Mann, longtime food lover and founding member and judge of the Vancouver Chinese Restaurant Awards. A reminder: Chinese New Year, the Year of the Tiger, begins Tuesday, February second. Coming up next, we speak with newly minted Tinhorn Creek winemaker Leandro Nosal. That's next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. 
Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan, a place where you'll learn to fall in love with winter all over again. Enjoy mountain adventures. Visit almost 100 wineries, craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries, and experience world-class locally sourced restaurants. It's the perfect destination for a relaxing winter getaway. But before you go, make sure to check the website for updates on weather, highways, health advisories, or for more trip inspiration. Go to visitpenticton.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as $399,000. Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. This winter, the Inn at Therapy Vineyards invites you to get away for a luxurious retreat experience. Modern rooms overlooking the vineyards and Lake Okanagan set the tone for a relaxing stay on the Naramata bench. Sip award-winning Therapy Vineyard wines on your patio, soak in the hot tub, and enjoy a guided tasting experience in the wine shop. Book your room online today or order Therapy Wines delivered to your door at therapyvineyards.com because everyone needs a little therapy. Smoking Loon believes that good wine doesn't need to take itself so seriously. This simple premise has guided them for over two decades to produce wines crafted for those with an appetite for adventure, like their Smoking Loon Syrah. So whether you're relaxing dockside or simply enjoying a well-deserved evening at home, bring along a taste of cottage country. Uncork and discover a rare bird at a BC liquor store near you or visit SmokingLoon.com. to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, BC. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Thanks for listening on the radio and on our weekly podcast. Today's show is all about sustainability, a top priority for Tinhorn Creek's new head winemaker, Leandro Nassau. Leandro was born in Mendoza, Argentina, with many memories of wandering through the vineyards with his grandmother, Today, he fell in love with the Okanagan after visiting as the hot, dry climate reminded him of home in Argentina. Low-intervention winemaking while continuing to be a steward of the land is his passion and goal. And here's our first in-harvest discussion we had with Tinhorn Creek winemaker Leandro Nassel. Yes, yes. Actually, we just finished yesterday. So we're very excited to have finished uh, Harvest 2021. So now all the fruit is in, inside in the cellar. And, uh, yeah, I always take this opportunity to thank everyone working in the vineyards because without the effort of their team, nothing of this would be possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure our listeners uh, detect an accent from you. Let's start uh, from the beginning about where you're from and how you ended up in the Okanagan. Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm from uh, Mendoza, Argentina, one country. That's where I, well, I got into wine. My family has been making wine for uh, three, four generations. So wow. since I was 16, I really I knew that I wanted to to work in the wine industry. I wasn't sure if in the vineyards or in the cellar, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And uh, after going to school and traveling around and working in different places, um, I worked in California and I heard for the first time about the Canadian Valley before I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. So and then I ended up meeting a, a Canadian girl who became yeah. my wife. 
That always does yeah. it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we had to come in agreement. It was like, okay, well, I moved to Canada, but I need to find a, a good place to make wine. Yes. So, uh, and that's how I, I landed in Okanagan. I have worked in, in Niagara as well, but um, I feel like Okanagan feels more like home. Like it's that yeah. desert, dry, hot yes. summer. Thank you. Uh, that made me feel like, yeah, that made me feel like I'm making wine at home, and that's for me, it's a luxury. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that. So Cedar Creek, stop at Cedar Creek, uh, work at Mission Hill as well, and then uh, you were the assistant to uh, uh, to Phil McGann at Checkmate uh, Artisanal Winery, not far from where you are. That that must have been a, quite an experience to work with Phil. Yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I mean, for those who know Phil, they know how obsessed he's with details and uh, working yeah. very hard to make the best wines and for me, it was a wonderful learning experience. So uh, I'm always very thankful for those years working with him. Did you learn to mumble a bit with Phil, or because he sometimes he's hard well, to Well, you understand. can imagine English. <laughs> <laughs> English being I my second imagine. language, and Phil speaking that mumble Australian. Uh, it was interesting. It was fun. Too. <laughs> okay. Well, the tougher question is yeah. Chardonnay and Merlot because I think, you know, you, you, you concentrated on that at Checkmate. And, of course, Chardonnay and Merlot are a big part of the Tinhorn lineup. What, what do you think about that? What, how will you approach those two varieties at Tinhorn, and will you, will you start messing around with them a bit? Well, definitely, definitely. When I, when I, come, when I came here, obviously, they asked me, well, what do you think about what works here in the Valley? And my first answer was, well, Chardonnay and Merlot. <laughs> Because after seeing what uh, we did at Checkmate, uh, I knew uh, the amazing wines that we can make with those two varieties. Chardonnay is a variety that is super plastic, that you can make so many different kinds of wine. Like It's very hard to get bored making Chardonnay. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing will write perfectly. You can make very nice, balanced uh, wines with elegance that are high concentration, but also have fruit. And where our vineyards are, uh, and the Golden Mile and the Black Sage, they're the perfect size to grow those two varieties. So also we have other plans to, we want to increase our production of some of the reds, like a Franc, and work yep. with some blends. Uh, but definitely Chardonnay uh, is one of the main varieties that we need to, to grow and obviously create new wines that we can offer to consumers to to broaden the experience of Chardonnay from the southern yeah. part of the Canaan Valley. Our guest is Leandro Nacelle. He's the head winemaker at Tinhorn Creek. And I'd love to know what you're going to do about rosé. Are you going to change the style at all? Well, yes. This year, that's one of the main changes that I, that I did. I didn't want to mess up too many things, but rosé, I thought, was a wine that we had room to play with. So traditionally, the rosé here has been more Cafranc based This year is going to be a blend of Syrah, Cafranc, uh, and Merlot. We're trying to go with a very light color, uh, dry or a little off dry. And I'm hoping next year we can incorporate some concrete just to give it another like touch wow. of more interest in, in the palette. Yeah, that, that uh, really but definitely, sounds good. Sorry, yeah, that really sounds yeah. good. <laughs> uh, I wanted to, you know, you mentioned it. You grew up in Argentina and, and you see similarities. One of the things that I always harp on about is, is that I find a, a savoriness and a similarity in South Okanagan reds that I get from high altitude wines in, in Argentina. Do you feel that sort of connection as well? Or Yes, yes. And, and you think, well, Mendoza like a very hot place, but as you say, when you go in high altitude, 
our going our growing degree days, like the amount of heat that we get in the Andes is quite close to what we get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the season definitely is, is compressed as well because we get like uh, early frost uh, in the Andes as well. So definitely, and also we both need to irrigate our vines because it's so dry. That yeah, yeah there's a lot of similarities. I totally. Uh, you are following in the footsteps, of course, of uh, Sandra Oldfield over there, who did a lot of work on sustainability and uh, to uh, get the land back in order. What What are your plans along that uh, line? Are you Are you an organic guy, a sustainable guy, a biodynamic guy? What's your thoughts? Absolutely, I think organic is a is a must. Not only for us, I think for the whole valley, for the whole industry. Uh, again, with the climate that we have, we don't have a big disease pressure. So with the culture, like doing organically, it shouldn't be that hard. And we have to be responsible. Like we all have kids or nephews or nieces, and, and we have to be responsible for the land that we're administrating. And if we love wine and we want to be wine around for, for a long time, uh, we need to, to look after land. So definitely going organically, uh, uh, organic wine making and viticulture is the next step. I don't know when exactly it's going to happen, but I'm hoping that soon. And I'm very curious about the Red Barn experience that you had when you were with Mission Hill. Yeah, that was a fantastic, a very interesting project that I had the opportunity to work with with Anthony from Mando. Uh, and the idea for the Red Barn was to make wines that were very distinctive, either from the winemaking point of view or from the varieties that we were using. So for the winemaking point of view, one of the first decisions was, okay, we won't use any oak. What sounds nice, but at the same time, it's very challenging. It's hard to make good wine sometimes without oak because the oak helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the wine. So that was, a, that was a good, an interesting challenge, and I learned a lot. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a great experience, but I, I, I imagine there's no greater experience than having your mother as a winemaker uh, when you're younger. What, what what do you think about your mom now and uh, maybe the work that your family did over the generations and how that's influenced you? Well, you know, it, it was my mom, and then I remember also, like, working in the vineyards with my grandma. I, I had to say I learned a lot from her. She she used to work a lot in the vineyards that belonged to her father. So for me, growing up with wine, uh, every day I would see my parents drinking it or like conversations or spend my weekends in the vineyards. Uh, it made me feel very connected to it from the, it felt something that was part of my everyday life. I never saw wine like something very far or like mm-hmm. high, out of reach. Um, and that's what I, I want wine to be for everyone. It's like a, something close to everyone that you can share with family and friends and can, you can generate new experiences. Uh, and that's what I like about Tin Horn. Like we offer not just the wine, we have the restaurant, we have the concerts in the summer. It's all about bringing people together. And sure. To me, that's very important. Well, Leandro, we are so delighted that you have uh, moved over to Tin Horn, and uh, we're excited to have a look at your wines as they roll out in the next year or so. And I uh, wish you great luck. And it's so much fun to have an Argentine uh, in the mix uh, because there's so many Kiwis and Australians up there that it's nice to have a different viewpoint uh, sometimes. Yeah, definitely. It's good. Yeah, that's, that's something nice about the body that we have people from everywhere, so that's also <laughs> a plus. It sure well, you is. Work, you're working with a crazy Australian uh, looking after your vineyard, so uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
it's really great to catch up, and uh, as soon as we can, we're going to get up there and try some of those wines with you. Sounds good. Thank you, Anthony and Casey, and congratulations on your anniversary. Thanks thank so you. much. That that was uh, Leandro Nosal. He's the head winemaker at Tinhorn Creek, and uh, thank you for listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network, which is also available on your favorite podcast platform. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. 